Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Hey folks, and welcome to this special, a little bit different episode of Heard Tell. Now normally what we do is when you hear the intro music and then I ask you if you've heard tell about such and such that's going on in the news cycle, and then we'll have an informative guest on who really knows what they're talking about to kind of deep dive into that a little bit, turn down the noise that we're hearing on social media and from the news outlets, and really dig into a topic or incident or some kind of policy or whatever the case may be. Well, today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, After 10 episodes and getting great feedback from you, and we appreciate all the support for our little program, it's done way better than we even thought it was going to do. Uh, Folks was kind of wondering, they're still asking questions like, we didn't know you were doing a podcast, and why do you do a podcast? And you even get the occasional, well, who the heck are you? So today on Herd Tell, if you want to know who I am and why we are doing what we're doing here, well, your time has come. So what is Herd Tell and why do we do what we do here? Well, it kind of goes back to like a lot of things in politics right now, 2016. The 2016 election was uh, kind of a dividing line for a lot of folks for a lot of reasons. And we all know the history of what happened. Hillary Clinton was running against Donald Trump. Donald Trump was probably the underdog in that race. Most people thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then Donald Trump won. And then we've had everything that's happened in the last, what, five years now. Well, that election was really meaningful and life-changing for me like it was for a lot of reasons. But the reason it was life-changing for me was probably a little bit different. I watched that election very attentively because I really didn't have anything else to do. See, from August to November of 2016... I was actually in a hospital bed at Duke Hospital. When I was conscious enough to do so, that meant you're pretty much stuck just watching TV when you're not, you know, rehabbing or so sick you can't look up or on a ventilator and unconscious, whatever the case may be. For the bulk of that electoral season, I was just forced to sit and watch, and I couldn't do anything but watch, and it was frustrating. And then when I got out of the hospital and the election was over and Donald Trump won, I started doing my rehab, and I was trying to get back to where I was before, and it became really readily apparent that the previous life I had was over. That was gone. Those working long hours, and I liked my career, and I liked my job, but just physically, I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. Okay, now what are you going to do? You had to adjust to what the doctors call over and over again the new normal, which is a term I absolutely hate, but it is accurate, a new normal. you got to reinvent yourself a little bit. And that was a struggle. I mean, I had a military career, and that ended, and then I had a pretty good civilian career going, and that ended. And I had to kind of figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up at 36, 37 years of age. So I did something kind of drastic for me that is very out of character. I got a Twitter account. Now, I understand I never had a social media account in my entire life. I was busy with my professional life my family, those sorts of things. I just didn't do a lot of social media stuff. I always followed politics and culture, 
and I did a lot of reading, and I always kept up to date with things. I'm a major consumer of information and news and media, but that's all I ever did with it. So then when I got a Twitter account, now you have a way to interact with the wider world. And my world that had gotten really small while I was rehabbing and sick and doing those sorts of things started to expand back out. I started meeting people online. And for me, despite what everybody says is so bad about social media, social media and Twitter for me was kind of a lifeline. It opened my world back up and I could get involved again and feel engaged again. And then something really funny kind of happened. I started to write again. I hadn't wrote anything since, you know, outside of professional stuff. I'm not a journal keeper, nothing like that. I read a lot of opinion stuff. And along with a few friends kind of encouraged me like, hey, you need to be writing. So I wrote a few things and I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have an in. I didn't know anybody that wrote or had publications or anything like this. I just kind of made it up as I went. So then uh, one of our mutual friends that has been on the program before uh, encouraged me to write about what happened with me. And I did and I put it out there. And that piece uh, got some attention on Twitter and some named folks, a couple of which I hope to have on this very program at some point, and I'll thank them when I do, uh, got attention and shared it. And it kind of blew up a little bit and got a lot of attention. And people paid attention to my writing, and I got some opportunities from that. Will Truman, who's the editor-in-chief of Ordinary Times, invited me to start writing with them, and I did. And that grew into being the managing editor for Ordinary Times. And it's been a great outlet for me to get to write and do things like that. And you can check out all that writing at Ordinary-Times.com. We're really proud of what we've done there over the last three or four years, uh, bringing in various viewpoints, bringing in anybody that's got a take or a point of view. They're going to get a hearing from us, and we'll put it out there and let the people decide what they think and make of it. Ordinary Times had been around for 10, 11 years by the time I came along. It's not mine, and it was a great incubator for me to learn how to write and learn how to interact with people. And then I got the privilege to be kind of the one that gets to coordinate and work with other writers and help them get their stuff out. And I love doing that, and it was a great blessing. That led to getting to do things like some radio spots. Uh, my buddy Joe Catanacci lets me guest host for him from time to time. I got invited on the podcast. I got invited to do some media stuff. So it seemed like a natural evolution of all that to start doing a podcast because I wasn't finding a lot of the media that I wanted to consume. And we've talked a good game about, you know, if you don't like something, do something about it. Well, if you don't like your media, do something about it. We have technology now where you can participate yourself. So it'd be kind of hypocritical for me to write all these opinion pieces about how bad media is if I wasn't willing to put myself out there and do something about it myself. My background and my life experiences come into that. Um, I didn't come up through the media, normal media channels for folks that do these sorts of things. My background was in the military. I was active duty for 12 years, and then I worked in transportation. I was a manager. Uh, those background things affect how I view the world. Uh, transportation is a great background to come from because it's a very, very uh, diverse, it's a very busy, it's a high tempo, it's a multi-layered thing. It really gives you good perspective on things because transportation is a very basic business with a very complicated way of going about it. In transportation, object A has to get to place B for Y price in X amount of time, and if it doesn't get there, it doesn't really matter why, you ain't going to make any money. Well, that kind of attitude, I think, works well when we start talking about culture and politics. When we talk on her, tell about turning down the noise on something, especially the louder it gets in social media and the bigger the cacophony and the caterwauling about it, 
we want to turn the noise down and get to what's actually going on because what really matters? Is it the hollering and screaming on social media or is it taking that policy or that ideology or that issue or that problem and figuring out how to get from point A where something's a problem to point B where if it's not solved, it's a lot better for people and figuring out how those things actually work. Because if you're not accomplishing anything, all you are is making a whole bunch of noise. And it sure seems like a lot of people in our culture and politics right now are just very convinced and very content to make a lot of noise without actually getting anything done. The other thing about the background I come from with the military and transportation and things like this is you don't get real Pollyannish about things. You realize things are hard. You realize an impossible thing is an impossible thing, and you don't really want to waste a lot of time on it. This is something else we see a lot in culture and politics right now is people want to spend a tremendous amounts of energy on something that's just not possible. Not as in we should be striving for things and achieving our dreams and goals and trying to make things better, but understanding that there's usually some incremental steps you got to take to get there. Again, when I try to ship something across the country running a transportation company, you don't start out by throwing it on a plane and just wishing it over there. We don't have teleporters like Star Trek. Somebody's got to sit down, figure it out, make a label, physically get the product, usually have to carry it somewhere. There's a lot of work involved. Right now we have kind of a spectator mentality when it comes to our culture and politics where people just want to scream at the TV and then wonder why nothing gets done. Well, because you're not doing anything to get it done. You're just hollering from the stands. The metaphors that Theodore Roosevelt wrote about the man in the arena has been beaten to death. But the basic truth of it is true is the person that's in there actually trying is the one that should be praised because they're trying to actually get something done. People in the stands hollering don't really have any skin in the game. They're just trying to be entertained. So one of the things I wanted to do with her tell was we want to entertain a little bit, but that's not the only person. Can you learn something more about the world you're in? Can we better discern the times that we live in? Can we figure out a way to maybe find folks that we don't agree with on everything, but find something we do agree with them on and maybe work on that in the meantime while we're waiting for the world to be perfect and first of all sit down and sing Kumbaya together? Because we know the latter's never going to happen, but the prior one is an attainable goal if we just work at it a little bit. So maybe if we focus on some of those things we can do something about instead of just whining and complaining about the things we can't do anything about, we could actually affect a little bit of change here. Now, we know that we just have a microphone and we're, you know, nobodies. We're not credentialed. We don't have a whole bunch of letters after our names. We don't have media platforms. But if you put ourselves out there like this with things like Hertel, you start finding people that will at least engage you. They may not always agree with you, but you can at least engage them and start figuring out some of these things. To talk to guests who know what they're talking about and who you may not be hearing on other media outlets. Uh, what a concept that if we're going to talk about uh, elections like we did on the first episode, you talk to somebody that actually runs elections on a local level. Uh, Ginya Coulter, who runs polling places, who teaches election workers how to do their job and get their opinion on things. When we want a legal thing, we'll talk to a lawyer. When you want a science thing, you talk to a scientist and figure out their impressions with things. Talk to people who spend their times thinking about things, not just reacting to them or chasing whatever the latest headline is. Those are the things we want to bring you on Herd Tell. It all goes back, for me, to what I want the world to be like for my own children and for people that come behind me. And when your children or grandchildren ask you about the times we live in, what are you going to tell them? See, the thing about social media now is I don't know that a lot of people realize is we're going to be one of the most documented generations 
of all recorded human history. We have all these things, our instantaneous thoughts, uh, the way we felt about something in real time as it happened. Those things are going to be out there perhaps forever if the Internet really is forever. I've got my doubts with Internet rot, but you never know. What would what are you going to tell them? Are you going to say, oh, yes, this really bad thing happened and I was so outraged I sent a tweet about it? Well, that's not going to really cut it. What did you do to try to make your world a little bit better? This goes back to the frustration I felt watching the election and not being able to do a whole lot about it and then trying to kind of find my way in the world of commenting on news and politics and things like this because I wanted to be able to do something. And I think a lot of people want to be able to do something. But if you don't find a creative outlet for that frustration, you wind up going down some dark roads and you can get caught up in some really ugly stuff. We've seen what happens when unworthy schemers get a hold of platforms like podcasts and media and talk radio. And what happens when people who have agendas that are not of good faith get power like that. So people that are of good faith and want to try to make things better had better enter those mediums and try to do what you can. It's the old saying of do what you can for as long as you can with what you got. Well, this is what I got. It goes back to not being able to do much watching that election. Instead of being frustrated and taking it out in a negative way, I want to try to do something good. And I've found through my writing and through all of you on social media, like on Twitter and other places, there's a lot of people that feel that way too. And this is going to be a chance for us to try to do something about it. We're going to talk to people, and when we talk to them, we're going to ask some hard questions, but we're going to listen, and we're going to hear them out. And then if we got a problem with what they say, we can hash it out. The whole reason we went with the idea of turning down the noise on the news cycle is because if things are noisy, you miss what really matters. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of agendas and a lot of reasons to keep the noise up loud. And that noise may make you feel good or make you feel like you're accomplishing something, but it's really not. And that doesn't make a better country for anybody. So having said all that, what are we not going to do on Herd Tell is probably as important as what we are going to do. We're not going to yell. We're not going to holler and fuss and caterwaul about things. We're just not going to do it. I know a lot of people have their priors and they want to fuss and fight. And there's this big culture of, you know, come at me, bro, and debate me and all this sort of thing on social media. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's your God-given and constitutional right. Have fun. God bless. Try not to hurt anybody. But we're not going to do that here. There's other places for that. Here, we're going to talk, we're going to listen, we're going to discuss. And it's not because things aren't important enough to fight and debate about. It's just there's a certain way we want to do it so that it's productive. We don't want to just do it to make ourselves feel like we're doing something like a hamster on a wheel in a cage. You can exert a whole lot of energy, but did you actually accomplish anything? We want to make not just ourselves better, but the people around us better. We want to solve problems by starting with the mirror and seeing if there's something that we need to change or correct our view on or learn about, or maybe we're just doing something out of ignorance because we didn't know any better, and then try to find out what our communities and families, and by extension, our nation and our world, can improve on. If we're not willing to do a few things with ourselves, it's really hypocritical for us to demand anybody else change anything about anything they're doing. And it's something that's kind of been lost in American culture and politics right now. We're really, really good at telling everybody else what to do. We're not real good about taking some constructive criticism about what we can change first that might make those folks a little bit more open to what we need to work on together. The other thing I've really learned the last few years of writing publicly and doing media and now doing the podcast is getting to the facts of what people really are, not what they say, what they do. 
actions, not words. Too many people just settle for a buzzword or a label and go with that and go, oh, well, that person must be okay because they say this, that, or the other. Well, social media and technology means we have a pretty good way of finding out what people are really about because they tell us. They write whole books about who they are and what their character is like online, and there's exceptions. There's people that can fool people, and there's people that can change. Just for an example, our last two presidents, President Trump and President Biden, both have years and years and years of public book on their lives. There's very little, if anything, about those two men that you can't find out about ahead of time. They have 70 years of books on their lives that we can look up, research, and find out what they're all about. They didn't suddenly change in their mid-70s when they became president and how they're going to act and focus and do the things that they do. So if you don't know what they're like, that's not really a media problem. That's a you problem. You didn't do your homework. But then there's people that want to convince us those men are this, that, or the other that completely contradict what we know about them because we can read it for ourselves. Part of the reason I'm thankful for the background I have, and maybe it'd be different if I came up differently or grew up differently or had a different life experience, but I'm just not really interested in what people tell me if it doesn't match up with what they're doing with their lives. If your actions don't match your words, I'm not really overly impressed, and I'm certainly not going to take your word for it if I don't have any evidence that your word is any good. These are the kind of things I bring to my approaches when I do opinionating on culture and politics. I'm wrong sometimes. I write a column every so often where I just list the things I got wrong. But if we take our time, read as much information as we can, learn who to get information from, listen to people of good faith, not just people we agree with, but people of good faith that are trying to give us the world as they best understand it, and work on our own discernment of these things instead of just trying to find somebody to follow all the time, our news and information skills will get better. And that's what I want to try to do with the Hertel program. Together, we can kind of listen a little better, learn a lot more, and do things that make a little bit more of a difference because we have good information to act on. We don't want to just react to everything that goes on around us. We want to take it, process it, figure out what it really means, and then adjust accordingly. Reactionary doesn't really get you anything but bouncing around like a ping pong ball. And our culture and politics are far too important to just be reactionary all the time. And there's people that want us to stay reactionary because as long as you're being reactionary, you're probably missing what's really going on. So that's in a nutshell what we want to do with Hertel. We already have more guests lined up. We're very excited. We've kind of honestly... Uh, slow rolled this out a little bit. We kind of stuck to some of our friends. We haven't done a lot of hardcore politics yet because we wanted to do a little bit wider swath first. We're going to touch into those things. But as always, the biggest part of this is you listening, you supporting, you subscribing and following and commenting and interacting because if you don't listen, then nothing we do here really matters anyway. And you've responded, and we really appreciated it, and we wanted to thank you. So if you would, keep doing what you're doing. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, the YouTube page has been doing very well. All of those things, wherever you're at, comment, leave a rating so other people know that this is worth checking out, and interact with us. We'll get you an answer to any questions you have. Let us know. You can find us on Twitter, at Show. You can also email us, at show at gmail.com. There's going to be actual video content coming onto the YouTube page at some point. Uh, I've got to get over how goofy my face is on video, like I had to get over how my voice sounds. So just being honest with you, that's the hold up on that. We're not going to put it out there until it's good, it's a good quality thing to watch, and it's worth your time. If you're going to give us our time, we don't 
don't want to ever want to waste it. We want to be respectful of it, and we want to give you our very best before we ask for 30 or 40 minutes of your time to listen to The Hurt Tell. If you have any questions, if you have a platform that you can't find us on and want us to, a couple people have mentioned platforms that I'd never heard of, and we now have it on those platforms. Just let us know. We'll be happy to get those on there. So this was a little different edition of Hurt Tell. Hopefully this is the last time you ever have to listen to me talk straight through for 20 minutes because we're going to continue to have knowledgeable guests that come onto this program that turn down the noise of the news cycle, talk about things they really know about, and we can all learn together about what's going on in our world across the street and around the wider world and all across the interweb for that matter. So until we talk again, y'all take good care of yourselves. We really appreciate you listening. Y'all be well. All the music on Her Tell is provided under a creative content license from MonsterCat.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.